I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. We have a former standout at Iowa State for the basketball team and the football team, Mr. Stevie Johnson. Welcome to the Shooter's Touch, Stevie. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. So it sounds like we're doing a little traveling. You're in Vegas right now, but uh, out currently call California home, or what's the deal? California is my home. It's Since I've um, stopped playing, I think it was in 2015 or 14, around about there. Um, I've been living in California. I, I, my girlfriend was out there and I end up, I would go there in the summers and back between Mississippi City and my family. So I've been there. We're pretty much shut down in California since COVID started and we haven't did anything. Um, I switch, I'm switching, currently switching jobs. I start my new job in a week. I worked my last day at my old job, um, last Friday. So we just said, hey, let's just go. I had, you know, let's go to Vegas. We're not doing anything. We just, you know, in the room, we was able to go to dinner and stuff. And that was about it. But just to kind of get out of the, you know, sitting in the house for the last 12 months or however long it's, it's been. I, I tell you what, it's been wild. And that was the thing that my next question was going to be, I mean, California, completely different than, you know, the restrictions that we're under here in Iowa. And so I was going to ask, how painful has it been for you guys to literally just be like shut down? Well, you know what? I realized that I was on quarantine before the quarantine happened. Like I'm a really a boring guy. Like I, I, I don't know if you guys, I've never been drunk a day in my life. I never drank. I maybe had three shots in my life. I've never had a glass of wine, anything. So I've never been out. I've been living in California for the last seven or eight years. And maybe I, I've never been to a nightclub there. <laughs> Like, I don't do anything. I work. I go to the grocery store. Yep. I go to the I was going to the gym before. You know, I would go to the gym, play basketball, try to get some exercise. And that was it. I didn't do anything else. So when COVID first hit, it was like normal to me. To it's be like honest, living. Which, which, is, which is very weird. And I told myself, once this is over, I'm going to do more. You know, you never realize you're missing it until it's taken away from you. I never did yeah. anything. So I was on COVID. I was on quarantine before and didn't know. Well, it. So well maybe cool. just, uh, maybe just a silver lining for you then that, yeah, uh, they, you, you know, going to start to do more stuff. I do. I do. Um, and just trying to get back and forth to see my family in Mississippi. It's, it's kind of difficult because mm -hmm. I don't want to get on flights and stuff. Like we drove here. It was about four hours. Uh, wanted to bring my mom out for Christmas, but I didn't want her to travel at her age, you know, so things like that. But, once, you know, I mean, we got to do what's best for people to keep everybody safe. And once that's over, kind of get back with the family and stuff. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, so many 
everybody around the world is, is, I mean, you know, dealing with something like that. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully things get back to normal ish as soon as possible and you'll yeah. see your family, obviously, and you'll be able yeah. to be able to start doing more stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Hey, uh, let's start here at a time in your life where, where maybe not a lot of our listeners know about, um, let's go way back to childhood. You know, where'd you grow up? Uh, what was the neighborhood like? And we always like to ask, you know, what, what role did sports play in you growing up? So it's, it's a little weird. My dad uh, played professional football in the NFL for about two or three years. When I was growing up, my town of Beaumont, Mississippi was, when I was growing up, I want to say it was about roughly 2,000 people. My um, very small town, mixed community, whites and blacks, um, to go and play basketball growing up, we didn't have any like peewee football. We didn't have a lot of that. They were just organizing that, get it back. So I, I didn't play football. I played my first like exhibition basketball game when I was in the fifth grade, but it wasn't organized. It was like a, t- a school activity day. The fifth graders play against the sixth graders or something like that. And I had always been playing. I'm the youngest of my brothers and sisters. I had always been playing basketball, you know, street ball, but nobody ever saw me play. And that day, the first time I ever picked up a basketball, people saw I had like 18 points, you know? so. They're like, okay, we need to get our, because at the time we didn't even have a junior high team. We didn't have anything. So they said, we need to get the programs back going. So then I want to say my seventh grade year, we got a team, an actual team. Uh, but before that, baseball was my first love. I played baseball, started with T-ball. My dad wouldn't let me play football. He wouldn't let me play basketball. He was kind of afraid we would get hurt because he hurt his back and knee, you know, in the seventies, you got hurt. That was it. So he kind of sheltered us from it and he was working. He said, if I can't get out there to coach you, I don't really trust other people. You know, I don't know what they're teaching you. Cause I had a, <laughs> I had a cousin who was playing baseball and we would go and beg my dad to let me play baseball with him. His coach was telling him he was the third baseman. He would throw a moon ball to first base when somebody run. And my dad hear this story like, no, you're not playing. That that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so he started to coach our team. We started with T-ball. We made it all the way to the T-ball national championship, which we didn't have enough money to be raised to go. To the, but we won the state. And my mom, because I've been a big kid since I was 12, my mom had to carry my birth certificate around with her. <laughs> Parents would be in the stand saying, there's no way this kid is 12 or whatever, you know. We had three guys, two, me, myself and another guy, could hit the ball over the fence. And nobody had seen that in T-ball. And we also had a girl that could do it. So wow. when I got up there and I hit it, oh, they called time out. My mom had to bring up a birth certificate. It was so embarrassing. So I grew up with this stigma about being big. I didn't want to be big. You know, everybody's picking at the big guy. I, didn't, I wasn't very aggressive. So in school, everybody wanted to fight me because I was bigger to prove they can beat the big guy, I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to fight anybody, <laughs> you know? So that was my sports growing up. And then we started with junior high. We got the junior high football and basketball. My dad finally let me play. So we win the championship in football, my junior, my seventh grade year. And we lose the championship in, in basketball. The following year, we win, the, we win the championship in basketball and lose the championship in football. And it was crazy because like, this is backwards, Mississippi. You guys are going to laugh. So we, we, we got the game. We went in the football game. Just scored a touchdown. We're up five, six points or whatever. Or 
I don't know, three points. Our players didn't know. We kicked the ball off. Our coach said, kick it, don't kick it all the way down. They didn't know we had to tackle the guy. <laughs> so our guy kicked the ball. Everybody celebrated. It was two guys trying to tackle the guy who ended up running all the way back. I was one of them and another guy. So we lose in the thing, like basketball. So that was basketball. I started dunking when I was in the eighth grade. And we would get more people to my junior high games in the high school. And Mississippi have a rule you can play five years of high school. So they was trying to get me to go up my eighth grade year. My dad like, no, you know, we're not doing that. So by the time I got to high school, a freshman, it was, we was, they was building another gym and, it, you know, we needed more people to see more people. Nobody had seen anything, you know? And um, so I get to going to high school. I would work in the summers to pay for summer camp to go learn, you know, because this is my coach in junior high. I don't want to say anything bad about him. He probably, if ESPN should do a documentary on him, he's probably won 30 championships. You know, but that's just from the talent here. I didn't know, he didn't teach us anything. I didn't know he didn't, nothing. When I tell you, like, like you think about just boxing out or something, you know, any type of drill. We know, just go and get, you know, get the rebound. That was pretty much it. So I, I started to go into camps and um, it was a guy named Gerald Snyder. He ran a, a camp in Mississippi where he got Mississippi and Alabama, all the kids, local kids who was pretty good. Uh, to go to these camps where you have like a hundred college coaches around the gym. So I got invited to that camp. I paid my money and went to that. And that's how it happened. Like that's where the recruiting started. Like it was, I was getting letters by the time I was, you know, my South grade sophomore year, I was getting football letters to Vanderbilt to basketball letters. Like it already started, you know, that's interesting. So you, I mean, obviously sounds, sounds like, uh, a lot of success in high school and obviously, you know, the, the Iowa state fans we have, and even just, you know, basketball fans in general know you as a, you know, as a superb athlete from Iowa state, what was the team like around you? What was the conference like? I mean, it was there, um, I guess a lot of competition. Was it competitive in high school? What did that look like? It was competitive. Our thing is my area is basically three small towns to go to my high school. We all play against each other, Beaumont, Runnerstown and Richmond. We play against each other in junior high, and then we all go, everybody go to Perry Central, which is Perry County, that high school except Richmond. We had, we've had great athletes. The best thing, we never won a champ, state championship. We always won our division. We would end up losing. My junior year was our best year. We had a couple guys go to small, like um, D2 schools, junior college, and things like that, but I injured my knee that year. I, I had a, didn't know what was going on. I had a chipped knee bone, so they thought it was some type of meniscus or something. I would be walking in the halls, going to class, and my knee would lock up. Lock up. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? So they end up, my in between my junior and senior year, shaving it down, and I never had any problems with it, you know, ever. Don't know how it happened. Don't know, you know, anything. Um, we always won a ton of games. I, I would say it was competitive, but I also, what I forgot to mention, and we played AAU. We went to national championships in AAU, 13 and 14 years old and that's when you had the Shea Cottons I don't know if you guys remember him oh yeah like these monster guys and if you go back and if you I don't know if you guys can research it the leading score in those tournaments was, was me 34 <laughs> points a game like I, I mean Shea Cotton didn't have to do what I had to do for my little team you know but I had the <laughs> national tournament and scoring for two years so that kind of got people to watch me and then with the, the Gerald Snyder camp it took off 
like I would get so many letters. I remember the first official day where college could call you. It started at like 7 a.m. And that's when we have the phone with the long wire on it, you know, <laughs> and I have to sit in one spot. So my dad said, you go and you, you go in the living room and, you know, you answer the phone. It started at 7 a.m. and it went all day. At lunchtime, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go outside and play. <laughs> you know, you know, my dad like, nope. If these colleges don't call you, you're going to sit here too. The first day I was done. And it was so, like, I learned an early lesson during the recruiting because everybody said the same thing. It is mm -hmm. the saddest thing that you guys have ever, like, if your kids ever go through, like, it's, and it's completely different now. It's really bad now because you have social media and all that stuff, and they can get at your kids any kind of way. No email back then, none of that, so they can only call. And literally, if I didn't pick up the phone, we didn't even have an answer machine. So, you know, you uh -huh. just got to keep calling. That phone rung all day. It rung all day long. And I would, like, Michigan, I had all types of people that were recruiting me when I was younger, you know. Any school you name, they was probably coming after me. But who was, the, who was the who was the coach or the school that called and you're like, like, that's pretty cool that they're calling me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bob Knight. Bob Knight. I, I visited. I took three trips in college. And Coach Floyd didn't want me to go to Indiana because they came <laughs> on later. You know, Bob Knight sent one of his top recruits. Notre Dame came to the school. Like, you had Tennessee. You had all these people coming to this small town that you couldn't even find. They couldn't <laughs> find my house. They would go to the local gas station. And nobody knew my, my town is so small. You guys are gonna laugh. And Coach Floyd learned this the first time he came, and it it got to Iowa State. So nobody in my town called me Stevie. My nickname is Frog. So everybody <laughs> called me Frog. So all these big time coaches from Notre Dame, uh, Leonard Hamilton was at Miami. You know, coming to town, they were saying, "Do you guys know where Stevie Johnson lives?" And they were like, "Who?" Oh, you got to be talking about Frog. Yeah. <laughs> so when the coaches get to my house, like, "Oh, Frog," I'm like. Yeah, you know. Oh, wow. So it was Bob Knight. I, I took a trip to, to Indiana. I took a trip to Miami. I went to Iowa State. And I was going to go to Minnesota, but it snowed <laughs> like a storm. I, I didn't end up going. I went to, I want to say, I went to Iowa State first, and I absolutely hated it. I, like, I've never been in the snow. I'm coming from Mississippi. Yeah. It snowed twice in my lifetime, and it's melted by noon. And the schools are shut down. Yep. Like, we don't go to school that day. Like, it's dangerous <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so I get to Iowa State. I don't know. Are we there yet? Should we yeah. be in college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So I get to Iowa State, and you got all the, the, the guys are junior that year from that great team. My freshman year from Kelvin Cato, um, uh, Derrick Willoughby, all those guys. And Hakeem was my host. And Hakeem is, was everybody's host because he had the best personality on the team. He's just a funny guy. And I'm freezing. I don't have a good jacket for this. You know, I got a leather jacket or something because I don't really need a jacket. <laughs> I don't party. I don't drink. I don't I do not do anything. My dad didn't let me go to any parties. I'm really the biggest square you've ever seen in, in your life. They want to take me to parties and stuff. And I'm just like, can you just take me back to my room? <laughs> you know? So I went back to my room and they're talking. James Reed really was the lead recruiter. Coach Floyd was because Coach Floyd babysit my high school coach. He's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Coach Floyd babysit him. That's how Iowa State was the first team, one of the first teams to write letters. Because my high school coach told Coach Floyd, like, you better start recruiting this kid now. <laughs> you know, 
So, and that, that's what my dad, that was my dad thing, you know. Tim Floyd been here since day one, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but I went to Iowa. You didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fell 10 times on my visit. I never walked in snow, you know? Like, I don't even know how to walk out there. What do you want me to do? I'll never make it to the court because I'm going to die from falling on the ice. You know? Oh, man. So, what? I, Iowa State was the first trip, and I absolutely hated it. But I know that's where my dad wanted me to go. My my dad basically made the decision for me to go to Iowa State. So the next trip was, I think, Miami. Again, you got this kid coming from this town of about 2,000 people. Everybody know each other. I'm going to Miami. I get to Miami, and another kid from Jackson, Mississippi, who Mario Bland, who actually went to Miami and had a great career there, we went on our trip together. He was a kid from Jackson. We kind of knew each other from AU. And I want to say the second day we was there, Coach Leonard Hamilton, who coached for Florida State, was a coach. He took us, and we was on this, like, uh, at a beach. And you got, like, the cabanas or whatever we're sitting in, and it's, it's just started to rain. So you see all these women, beautiful women, come inside where we are in swimsuits. Sports Illustrated was having a swimsuit shoot there. <laughs> Genius for Leonard Hamilton. Right. These two kids and these up. He's talking to us the whole time, and I'm telling you, we're like this. We're not even looking at this. Like, I mean, I don't know what he expect. I haven't, never went to party, never been drunk. Like, this is amazing to me. I was ready to sign right there. <laughs> they, um, I called my dad. I got to that room. I'm like, this is, we don't even need to go to no more trips. <laughs> this is it. My dad said, don't you sign anything. You come home. We're going to talk about it. I like we can talk, but <laughs> it's pretty much a done deal. You know, it's pretty much a done deal. But at that time, it was really dangerous in Miami, and that was the last place. My my father went, no, you're not going there. You're killing kids on campus there. Do you you see the new? You know, I'm like, but I've seen women. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Like this is this is where I need to be. Anyway, so my dad kind of shot that down. And then Bobby Knight, them start calling a lot. And they wanted me to visit. And I'm like, man, I want to visit Bobby Knight. You know, he's legendary coach. So I take a visit there. When I was there, Ray, Ray um, Guyton, the guy mm-hmm. who played, was legendary there, played the NBA. Me and him was AJ Guyton, I think. We was okay. on our visit together. And um, we was there. And I said, AJ, AJ said, no, I'm, I'm not coming here. I just want to visit. That's what he told me. I said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to come in. Bob Knight was the greatest guy. Like, he was the nicest guy uh, probably of any coach. And it seemed so genuine. He would sit you down and he took out a map. Yeah, this is how far it would be for your parents to get here. Their practice, we got to watch him practice, which was really interesting because coming from Mississippi again, we didn't watch any film. So they would literally go out there and do for five minutes, walk through some stuff, go back in, watch film on this one play Michigan State is going to be running. Go back out there, walk through it, come back in. And it, like, it was crazy. Like, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, I'm, I'm going to learn something here if I go here, you know. But I don't know if can I take, you know, Bob Knight perhaps throwing a chair at me or something like that. You know, my, that was my thing. Like, you're not playing for Bob Knight. You see what, you know. <laughs> so, and at the time, Coach Floyd is calling. I don't even know why you want to go there. They coming in late. You know, you got all these grown me. Like, I'm a kid who want to please everybody. This small Mississippi kid. Humble. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. You know, to everybody. 
and I feel bad for taking a visit to see Bob Knight, you know, like, <laughs> like they're not recruiting 10 other Stevie Johnson that I would say, you know. So um, I go there and I end up, uh, Mississippi State went to the Final Four that year. And one of the news guys who's been in the legendary news guy in our area for years, he came to me and they was doing a, a story on me and I was telling the school, I was say, you might want to say one of the Mississippi schools in there, you know, just so people don't get. So I ended up throwing like Mississippi State in there, you know, but I kind of want, I wanted to see something different. My town is so small, there's nothing to do. I know there was a bigger world out there for me, you know, and I need to go get an education. I need to get away from this place to be able to do something, you know, because I just see the cycle of, my town has some amazing athletes that you have never heard of. You know, I saw people do things that, I saw athletes from high school that I went to college and I never seen anybody like those athletes that I had already played in. One of my best friends um, who played with me in AU and still my best friend today, I've never seen anybody could I jump him. I played in everywhere. And my friend Marcus, I, I promise you, he would out jump anybody, anybody, you know, just, just small things. I had guys who played football that was 300 pounds that could run four, four like I, just ridiculous type stuff, you know. And so I was ready for that level, but mentally I wasn't ready. Physically, I was ready. When I got to Iowa State, I was the second. Clay Edwards was the only person on that team that was physically stronger than me in the weight room. And by my sophomore year, I'm just killing everybody as far as strength because uh, of my dad and how, you know, genetics, basically. Um, but, yeah, that was my recruiting to, to Iowa State. And then Linda Hamilton also told me on my recruiting trip, you don't want to go to Iowa State. Tim Floyd is going to the Bulls. It's already a done deal. It's a done deal. Tim Floyd is going to the Bulls. And I go back and I tell, you know, well, they tell me you're going to the Bulls. Coach. <laughs> oh, no, blah, 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 this and that. So they, Iowa State, Coach Floyd and Coach Green come to my house for the last time. This is their last pitch. They have in the paper that Coach Green is getting the, the Southern Miss job. And they're like, what? I don't even know anything about that. You know, well, that's not going to happen. But these are the same guys who have been telling me going to Southern Miss is beneath you. You know, so James Green, who is the, um, the assistant coach for Iowa State, he's been recruiting me the most. Couple of days before it's time for me to sign with Iowa State, he gets the job at Southern Miss. And what happens? He gives me a phone call, and that was the day I realized this is a, this is a business. Yeah, you know the guy who's been telling me to go into Southern Miss would be the worst mistake of my life for four years. <laughs> now going to Southern Miss might not be the baddest thing. You know, you can be close to your family, and you can be this. What is going on? Like, <laughs> and I was young. I was born in February, so all my classmates was older than me. So I'm 17, and I'm just. You could tell me anything and I would do it, you know? I didn't know anything. Whatever my dad and mom said, that's what I pretty much did, you know? So that just crushed me. I'm like, this is a business. And my dad would have those conversations with me, like, yeah, look, they, they're going to be recruiting somebody every year at those positions. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, you know, you're out of there. This is yeah. that, you know? So I learned very early on that it was a business. Yeah. And, what were the what were the last couple of days, maybe last couple of weeks before you made the decision to go to Iowa State like? I mean – <laughs> what other schools were you obviously obviously you went on some visits but you know were there any other schools that you were like ah, maybe Iowa State maybe this school um what it did was, that look it, like it, it honestly Indiana was I was kind of I really liked my visit there I liked what I saw I was a little nervous about Bob and I but my dad 
being the Mississippi guy and this, you know, I had to call the schools and tell them I'm not going there. So I had to call Bob Knight, top assistant, and say, yeah, like on the last day, I think I'm going to go to Iowa State. And this, you know, that's hard, man. Like, that was difficult. Like, I was, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything because this is the biggest decision of my life, you know, at this point. And where it should have been fun for me, it was like just treacherous. Yeah. Because I know I wanted to go to Miami. I, I, like, let me go to Miami. My dad, want, I know he wanted me to go to Iowa State. My mom said, like, it's your decision. Your dad wants you to go to, but it's your decision. But me being a kid, like, I didn't really have a choice. It, it was Iowa State. You know, like, so that's really how I chose it. It was chose by default. Yeah. I mean, it's I funny. don't know Coach Floyd. Coach Floyd could sell you anything. He could right now call you. You guys are like, okay, you don't need to be doing the podcast anymore. You need to be doing this. And you like, I think Floyd's right. You know, he's, he will sell you anything. And he just like, he's this good looking guy. You're like, you, you love it. You know, he come there, he fit right in. And he's just like, it's nuts. But yeah. It's funny you mentioned that uh, having to call coaches back and tell them no. I, when I chose you and I, not not to up, up 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 where you're at, I had to call three coaches back, and I remember writing down exactly what I was going to say to them and reading it off that piece of paper because it was just it was it's nerve wracking and you don't want to. I mean, obviously you don't want to disappoint people, but uh, you know, got to make the right decision for yourself too. Yeah, and they really, I mean, they were pouring on you. You you would think you're ruining these men' lives. You would honestly think you're ruining their lives by them not getting you. Their, their life is not going to be the same. And that's how they made you feel, you know, like, and it was just, it was nuts. It was like, was then, so I get to Iowa State, are we there? Yeah, Ooh. I was just going to say, so what was it like then, when coming from Mississippi up to Ames, like, stepping on campus, I, I mean, big transition for any athlete, any student, um, had to be quite the change for you. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. And I don't think I've told this publicly to anybody. So I get to Iowa State. My roommate is Paul Shirley. My mom and dad, they come up there with me. Paul and his parents. Paul's parents was kind of taking him to these places. My mom and dad basically dropped me off at the room. And I they was with Tim Florida, whoever they was with. I saw them the day they left. My dad was all about tough love. You know, well, you, we don't need a baby him. You know, he need to figure it out. So... Just, it's a culture shock coming from Mississippi to Iowa State. Before class start, I want to say like a couple of days before class start, I get a, a call on the on the room, the phone in the room. Now Paul Shirley was just recruit. I don't even know if he, I don't know how highly recruited he was. You know, they had me as this oh this star. You know, because coming to Iowa State, I was that year in nineteen ninety six. It was probably one of the best high school class you name it Cobra. like and in some of the the websites i was ranked as high as i think 48 or you know for between 48 and 60 which i thought was you know horrible but looking back at it now like it's only 50 states that was pretty yeah. good you know yeah <laughs> so i get a call on the phone and coach it's coach floyd he said come downstairs i get downstairs um coach floyd is in his car and they I get in the back of somebody in the front. So we drive around and uh, we just having a conversation about basketball, this and that, just drive. I mean, we probably drove for hours. These guys was talking to me, 
Coast Law, blah, blah, blah. I, this guy was Jerry Krause. This is, you know, what Leonard Hamilton had told me before I got there. Florida Jerry Krause was best friend. So I'm like, huh, he's probably not going to be here these four years that I'm here. But I'm thinking to myself, well, you can't kick Phil Jackson out. They're winning, <laughs> they're winning championship. <laughs> then you see the last day. Like, this all made sense, you know? Mm-hmm. When, when on the last days, they said they want to feel like Florida was supposed to have been get the job, you know? Yep. But it, I mean, how can you fire? It, yeah, I tell you what, you're you're stealing some of my questions because that the whole last dance thing. I'm the sorry. Way that, I'm no, sorry. no, you're good. I love it because the way that that all kind of came about and what we've seen in the documentary, where yeah, Tim Floyd was in waiting for like two years, and so I was going to ask you if there was any signs or anything that you knew where it was like, hey man, he's on his way out. No, Coach Floyd, like I tell you, like he's a salesman. You can, we could sit there and read, and, and then you only really got the paper. You know, internet is not buzzing. We don't have social media or anything like that. I'm not going anywhere, blah, blah. Our fr- first year was, I mean, we're beating UCLA the entire game. You know, Cameron Dollar hit the shot at the buzzer over Cato. We're up 20 at halftime. Like, I, I, I my, my girlfriend, her best friend is, is the wife of Toby Bailey. So I talked to him through her sometime. They sent me a picture of me and Paul Shirley on the bench that they got, you know. They come in, they're talking about, um, you know, their legacy and they're, we, we both coming in the huddle and they're so loud and they're doing this and Toby's doing all type of dumps down there in the warm-ups, all this. They're down 20 at halftime. We go back in that same locker room. Those guys don't say a word. Like, there's no way they, they should have beat us. The only way, Cato played, horrible Kenny was you know trying to get his stuff out but they were really tall you know and Dedrick were playing on one leg Dedrick was the best player on the court I think he had like 38 points with one leg he had pulled his hamstring he's literally hopping around Toby can't do anything with him and and they end up the first lead they got to the end of the game and but I think we got too far so I get there um I kind of got that story with Tim Floyd or whatever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so just getting on campus coming from you know my neighborhood is black and white but mostly you know i'm with black people most of the time getting to iowa state is all white people the only black people are the kids who come to school there which was didn't really bother me too much my mom was a school teacher so my mom if you went back in my home growing up she had white kids by our family portrait, some of her students who she looked like. So I was never really, even though I was from Mississippi and it was really racist, I didn't really see a lot of that. And that was because of sports, but you heard different things, you know? Right. Some of the, like my parents never let me go to anybody's house. Like some of the coaches for me, T-ball and stuff growing up had affiliation with the clan that you hear people, you know, treated me like, a, 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 like I was their son. But you hear people talking about this. So it was always weird, you know, and I wanted to get out of there. Then I get to Iowa State. Everybody treated me great. You know, the people that's one thing, like, I feel like that's one of my second homes because I love Iowa because of the people. I genuinely met some. I still talk to some of my friends there today because I genuinely met some of the best people in my life, you know, there in in, in Ames. And um, so it was hard at first, you know just trying to adjust i remember the first day it snowed i looked outside and i mean it really snowed i mean 
I asked Paul Shirley, like, what are we supposed to do? He don't really understand the question because coming back from this kid with the snow in Mississippi, they cancel everything. Like, Paul got a deep voice. What do you mean? Like, well, we clearly we can't go to school. What? What? I didn't know we had to go out there in the snow. Like, so, like, this is, I was like, oh my God. So I'm freezing. Coming from, you know, didn't have a lot. So they end up getting us jackets, like, dude, this stipend or something. So I, these jackets were so hot, you're sweating by the time you get into class. So you take them off and that lay is ridiculous. But had to go to every class because managers check your classes, you know. I'm a student, I'm in it, you know. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a culture shock, but I stayed to myself, didn't drink, didn't party, didn't do anything. So it's really boring for me, you know. Um, but I just started to adjust. I started to become a man there. You know, I, my mom and dad got divorced right after I left. So a lot of responsibility came on me and I just started to kind of, kind of, um, get my own niche there. So one of the people I got to ask you about that you came in with as a freshman, um, was Jason Teeter. Um, you remember Jason? I love Teeter? Jason. I love Jason. <laughs> so he's from my hometown. He's from my hometown in Algona. So that's uh, watching him growing up. I was just a youngster. So when I saw you guys came in on the same year, I'm like, I gotta ask him about Jason. I love Teeter. Teeter, I, the last couple times we've been, um, because we have Coach Chrome have, have the reunion. Yeah, I've been on with Teeter and um, Barley in our um, the golfing. I don't. I just drive the cart because I don't drive with my buddy Carl. Because they're like. I love Teeter. Teeter's a great guy. A great a, guy, but it was... He's a good one tougher. to have on your golf team, too. He comes from a, a golfing family, so he's that's... He's good. That's, he's good. That's, that's a but good it was one. tough for him, you know? Like, we had Teeter. We had a couple guys on there who... It, Coach Floyd only played basically six players, seven. Me and Clay got some minutes off the bench. That was it. Like, yeah. and I didn't play very much. You know, we had five seniors that was really good. You know, so you got to practice every day against those guys. And those guys were buttholes to us. <laughs> like, that team, they were so bad that, you know, they have all of the, the rules that the, I'm the humble guy. You know, you got to tote our bags. You got to do this, do that. Yep. As soon as they left, I had said, we're not doing that anymore. No freshman is tote. Like, no, I don't want you to tote my bag for what? Yeah. You know, so that never happened again. You might get Mike Nurse might come in like he walks about to I'm like nobody told your bag, Mike. You know, you, you can tell tote your own bag, you know. So me and Cheetah them would have to tote bags. You know, Paul Shirley. Tote bags, you know, so it was funny. So uh, talk a little bit, uh, you, you mentioned it, but that, so your freshman year coming in, um, two things. So then you were the start of the Big 12 era, correct? So they were mm-hmm. the big the last, Yeah, The last, they won the last, I think, Big eight, and then yeah. we started the Big Twelve. And then that first year, um, obviously, you guys had some some uh, senior leadership. You mentioned obviously Dedrick Willoughby, um, who was a special talent. That guy, he could go. JC Holloway. Yeah, JC Holloway. Yeah. I tell Holloway. you guys the story about that year. When, when I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just so I just a couple of things for our listeners. So obviously that year you guys went 22 and nine. You mentioned the one point loss in the Sweet 16 at UCLA. Um, and what I saw got as high as fourth, uh, in the AP poll that year. And so had some dudes, um, had to have been a good experience for you as far as like you mentioned, kind of a growing time and, and kind of mm-hmm. getting your beak wet a little bit. Yeah. I remember, so I'm going to go back a little bit we, we played, uh, back then the coaches couldn't watch you practice. So we would go in and play pickup and we got to play our first day. We got to play at Hilton Coliseum. 
And Coach Floyd was sitting way up there at the top with like a like one of those tan trench coat with a hat. You couldn't even <laughs> see him. You couldn't even see him. I never even saw him. They see if somebody said, came and whispered, you guys know Floyd up there. Come on, keep, you know, blah, 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 this and that. Like, where? What? Like, he's sneaking and watching it, you know. <laughs> so, Helman Cato, I guess, like, me coming, I don't know how the dynamics of team work. I don't know anything. Kevin Cato, I guess, had been acting a little funny with the guys. He wasn't showing up to play pickup. He had just had a good junior season, you know. We get to playing in pickup. JC goes to the hole, like kind of throw the ball up, and with his hand just, boom, punch Cato in the chin, <laughs> knocks him out, split his chin. And I'm thinking, like, what is going on? <laughs> Which was probably the best thing that could have happened to, like, looking back now, that was the best thing that happened to our team. It, it, you know, Cato wanted to fight, and we all do, you know, this and that. But they was letting, letting him know he's not bigger than the team, you know, and we needed him. Man, we needed him. When he played well, we won, no matter what, you know. But that was just like a lesson of going from high school basketball to everybody love everybody to, like, this is what guys do to get respect. This is what, like, what's going on? I didn't understand it till later on, you know. Um, and it was just a, it was a lot of growing pain. Like, I was on two of the best teams, and I would say, here's those two teams. But for me, like, I was miserable. I came – when I went to Iowa State, I was second leading scorer in Mississippi State history. <laughs> I'm coming here. They're not even letting me shoot. <laughs> you know? So I'm just dying on the inside, just feeling like I'm just letting my career go to waste. Can't complain because I'm a team guy. Never said anything. You know, people at Iowa State remember me as this hustle guy who gets the rebound, not very private, not very talented, you know, whatever. But he's a glue guy. He do all the little stuff. And I never did that. That was beneath me in high school. I'm the guy, you, you know. So it was a, it was, it was tough. It was although we was winning, I couldn't say anything. It was really tough for me, you know. I didn't. I was trying to adjust, you know. And it was. I look back at it. I needed to have something. I needed to have a little bit. I don't want to say cockiness, but I needed to have something. Like something like that, so I can push the envelope. I always did exactly what they told me to do. They said, you don't shoot, you just penetrate, Steve. That's what I did. When Michael Nurse got there, Mike, you don't take shots like that. You do this and that. And Mike might shoot it from half court. You know, Tim Floyd tell him that one time. He come right back down, and the next time he shoot it, he make it, and he look over there at him. I needed some of that, you know. That, that's why I didn't – that was the biggest reason why individually I didn't – I felt like I didn't succeed, you know, because I had a coach tell me, you shouldn't do this, do that, and I stayed in that for the betterment of the team, which was not good for me, but it was learning. I, I learned from it. And that's, and that's the tough thing. And that's the thing on this podcast too, that we talked about just, just learning, figuring out like where, how do you get minutes and then how do you continue to keep minutes? And then maybe how do you step into the role? Because like you said, everyone coming in and play college basketball, they were the best on their high school team, no matter what level they were at. Mm -hmm. Um, and now as you step up a level, it's like, okay, now I got to figure out, like, what do I got to do to get on the floor? And it was funny because like not knowing a lot, I get there, they're telling me Sean Bankhead can't score. He can't do this. He, he's great defender. Sean Bankhead was the best defender in the big 12. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming to think I'm taking this guy position because I can score, you yeah. know? And it was dynamics. Like we had coach Floyd had like two scores and we needed an X factor. 
Willoughby and Pratt was going to score. When Cato can get 13 to 14 points, JC, we're going to win because we're not going to let you score over 65 points. You know, that, that was his thing. And it just, I, I just kind of learned, you know, um, and I would get in practice. I would be frustrated. I couldn't play in the, in the system we had there. But, okay, Stevie, you're on the scouts and you Texas. And I will kill Bankhead. The best, like, I look, Kenny Pratt always, whatever I see him, he was at, we pick at Bank. Because Bank was the best defending league. He can't guard me at all. Like, and I would get in trouble. Deirdre had to come to me one day because Florida practice was so tough. And I'm thinking I'm going to some type of way sneak in the starting lineup. What he just told me, like, you're not going to play. You know? <laughs> I thought this. Like, I'm killing. Because every time I score, they got to get on line of run or something. And they can't stop. And the coaches keep telling them, keep going at them. And I don't really know, you know. Like, I'm going to have to beat them up in the locker room if I keep doing this. But, like, he couldn't. Like, I was just, like, stronger than him. I was more athletic. Like, Everything he did, I, I watched him every day, and I was really observant, so I knew what he wanted to get in my space and crowd me. But once I fought through all the files and stuff, I'm going to go right back, you know. So it was just I, I learned early, like, how to practice, what to do, what you know. So it, it was I, – I don't take – the lessons I learned from Tim Floyd and we're probably getting Larry Stacey, like, mine about basketball is – Second to none, like I, the stuff I learned from them, not all good, you know, but man, about basketball. And I think Coach Floyd was really good at, you know, different scenarios and stuff. And Coach Eustacey was just like this general who everybody hated, but we all hated him, but we came together. Coaching wise, I don't, wouldn't, you know, had a lot of great assistant coaches. Yeah. Coach Carroll, if anybody pressed us, we was going to get a dunk on the other end. Coach Carroll come and drop, oh, you do this, this, this. We wanted people to press us. Coach Floyd, if somebody, if, if Kansas is going to go in their zone, they're going to play zone against us. We're going to get an alley. Like, he's going to, he, he drop a play, and they're going to be out of that zone just like that. Like, you just learn different things. It was amazing. You know, like, it, it was, I, I wouldn't, I don't take, I, I don't regret, you know, my decision at all. Listen to we're, we're gonna once we get through your this whole timeline, we're gonna talk about all all three of the Iowa State coaches um, that you ended okay. up playing for. Um, but so then let's talk about your sophomore year. Then, well, one one thing I do want to note because we'll get to it uh, in your senior season. But obviously, the one point loss at UCLA uh, um, had to be a little a, a little bittersweet for you guys there um, at, at the end of your freshman year, and uh, you would revenge that loss uh, in the ninety or in the mm-hmm. ninety nine two thousand mm-hmm. season in a, in a big way. And so we'll. Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll talk about that. But then, so your sophomore year, uh, what ended up being Tim Floyd's then last year, uh, struggled. Obviously, coming off, a lot of those guys um, lost to graduation. And so uh, that uh, that year, one one thing I got to note is as Iowa guys, and we're supporting Iowa basketball here, obviously, in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, a rare, rare chance, rare opportunity. That year, you guys lost to UNI, Drake, and Iowa. Shot to all three of the schools, which can't can't happen a whole lot. But talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Twelve and eighteen, sophomore year. How did your role change? And then how were the dynamics and maybe things a little bit different? And what felt like a rebuild for Iowa State? It's crazy because that year I want to say they had some type of game, like the Big Twenty Two game or something. Iowa State had this great recruiting class with Martin Rancid, Marcus Pfizer. They had Gerald Henderson, who did end up playing for Iowa State because he would have just took my position, you know, because, I, you know, uh, he ended up going, I think, Louisiana Tech or something. They had all these great players, and they was playing against, like, basically the other Big 12 schools, I think. We had 
the, the kid from Australia. I don't remember his name. He ended up going pro. Supposed to be the point guard. Oh, yeah. We had that kid. Like yep. they had a CJ. I want to say CJ. I can't remember his name. But he was Australian. He ended up going pro. Didn't work out. That year, Tim Floyd is like, I'm walking in the room. It's like, you know, the president just wanting everybody to be quiet. We all sit like this. Nobody's saying that. Here, here come the biggest recruit in Iowa State history, Marcus Fox. Do you guys know Marcus? Not personally, no. no. I've heard a few uh. stories. So Okay, Marcus, Marcus is <laughs> – my friends gave Marcus the name Hollywood when he got to Iowa State. <laughs> yep. Marcus was good, and he knew he was good. You know? Pfizer come in. When Tim Floyd walked in the room, everybody got to be locked, locked in. So they just played this game. We're going to have our first meeting, you know, with the new guys and – like we run, we run for anything. Like Floyd, literally, if he come in and feel like you want to run <laughs> the entire practice one day, you're gonna run the entire practice. Comes in there, Marcus Fizer and Gerald Hendricks for some reason, something was going on with their nails. I don't know where they get a fingernail clipper. Coach Floyd is up there talking, and literally Fizer and this kid is <laughs> nails. And the guys who've been there, Paul Shirley, and we're sitting there like this is gonna be a long year for us. Like we, I'm just make it through the season. It'd be great because we're probably gonna die from running. <laughs> they had no clue, you know. Marcus was the best thing I would say they ever seen, and he knew it. And and like he had that type. Of, I'm like yeah, I'm like oh my god. That year was was trying to learn how I was trying to learn how to become you know step in and become a leader. Still wasn't mentally. I don't think you know uh, turn that switch. So it was just horrible like we were practice the practice was so bad that was coach florida i want to say his worst year there and to get Pfizer to in and you know like that that was tough he was young man he was a beast but he was really young so we struggled it, it was it was hard it was hard to play it was like i think we could beat anybody you know yeah. marcus didn't worry about guarding his man at all you know we in this it, it was bad it's, and it's, Northern Iowa and Iowa and Drake was good. Yeah, they, but they weren't. weren't supposed to beat us. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was you know, which I get now. Look at Drake this year. Yeah, you know, and and so, yeah, no, it, it, it it was bad, man. It, it was there. There had to have been a lot of life lessons and a lot of toughness that was built. That's going to obviously help you guys here in the years to come. Because uh, mm-hmm. from going from 12, um, 12 and eighteen that year to obviously then. Uh, uh, the elite eight run in 99, 2000 was, was something special. But uh, so what was, what do you remember when the announcement came that Floyd would be leaving and how, how did his, his departure and then obviously Larry uh, getting the job. What do you remember about that transition in that time for you and the guys on the team? You knew when we went to the big 12 tournament that year, that coach Floyd was out of there. It was so much tall, like you, you knew it. And I, I just remember we us getting on the I, only thing I remember us getting on the bus after the game, the last game we lost, and his wife was on the on the bus with us, and she was the nicest lady they ever knew. It was, it was tough. That man, he had did his, he had gave it his all. It, you know, we fought that year, and we was that was the worst season of his. Well, until he got to the Bulls, that was probably the worst <laughs> season. He had, you know, at Pittsburgh. So we knew that was gone. Then they bring in Larry and Stacy. I had went to Mississippi that summer, so. When they called us to say, hey, this is your guy's coach, we had like a conference call. I never heard of Larry. I didn't know who Larry Stacy was, you know. They said they wanted everybody to come back there. 
you get there. Now, Tim Floyd is known for his practices. That's really tough, which is a cra- the craziest thing ever with what you learn about how the body works. Tim Floyd thing was when you walk through the doors of the gym, you basically start sprinting. <laughs> that, 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 that's what, that was our thing. So I went from high school to, you know, we practiced, I thought hard, but no. Walk through the doors, you sprint. So what we learned about warming up and stretching and all that, that, that didn't exist. Back then. <laughs> so walked in the gym, you started sprinting and everything was full speed. Every move you make to warm up was full speed, gain speed. If it wasn't, you, you were going to be running before practice even started. And then Larry Stacey came in. That's something. His, our practice with Larry Stacey start with what they call a set of links. Link is one, two, three, four, five. Five trips back and forth in 30 seconds, which is how to practice start. Okay. Maybe that's not so bad. But everybody has to be fine. That means the seven footers all the way to the, we have to be in the same line. I can't finish in front of them. If I finish a step in front of them, you, you have to start over. You have to do five of these to complete them. You have to do five perfect ones, and then you go to five-man weave for 20 minutes. This is just to start the practice. So <laughs> the first day we start, they're teaching us the length. We probably do that for over two hours and don't get it right. I want to say Iowa State had a kid come in. I want to say Dwayne John, who was like 7'2 or something like that. Couldn't do that. He, it was impossible. And these crazy coaches, gonna, you know, he's going to do it. You know, he couldn't. He physically could not stay in that line and make that in 30 seconds. He just physically couldn't do it. So they had to kill us so we can find that out, <laughs> you know. So we, Larry Stacy practice. We, we had ESPN come and watch his practice. The things we did, and you know everybody. We have the you know you can only practice so many hours. We're in the locker room saying, "I am not signing that sheet. I am not." <laughs> as, as, as the guys, you got to sign the sheet. Mark Copley, the trainer's going to come in and say, "You got to see this." Your I'm not. Just no way. We did less than 18 hours this week. We practiced three or four hours a day. <laughs> like if he get pissed off, you coming back again at five o'clock. If you did something like he let you practice for three hours, and then he tell you it was crappy and you got to come back. Why not just kick us out? <laughs> you know, after hours, clearly we're not gonna get it. But this, they was basically just running people off. I don't know if you if you have any stat. I'm I'm pretty sure at least fifteen players in between my Tim Floyd second year and Larry Stacey that year that they completely just ran. These are. Getting, supposed to make great players. Remember Larry's first year, we went to Kansas with seven players. Seven players. That's You're going to KU. And this is Kansas, it's Kansas back then. This is not this year. You know, we go to Kansas, seven players. I want to say Paris Corner, who was a good friend of mine, was one of those players, but I think he missed class or something. Coach wouldn't let him play. So we had six. We go to, to Lawrence, Kansas with six players, and I want to say we were my, we may have been down by two at halftime. There's no way you're going to keep it going. Like they probably end up beating us by 20. But Larry was tough, man. Larry, was, he did stuff that we – the difference, the biggest difference, I think, between him and Florida both was really tough. Practice was over. You can go – I felt like, and maybe other – this is just my opinion. Maybe other guys had a different, you know, relationship with Coach Stacy. I didn't really have a relationship with him, you know, um, you felt like you can go and have a conversation with Coach Floyd, you know, about what 
I never felt like I could have that with, with you, Stacey. He was always just, you know, like, oh, it, it was bad. It was that, it, that was a hard time for me. That was, that was really tough. Uh, Surprised me a little bit that just obviously what we know now uh, more about you, Stacey, um, that he he was more business, more business like than even Floyd. Because, you know, like you said, Floyd is, comes off as, the salesman that uh, just clean proper and just, you know, kind of uh, maybe a little intimidating where Stacy mm-hmm. feels a little bit more like a guy's guy and, you know, would, would kind of hang out a little bit, but I, you know, I played for coaches too. It was the same way where when you're playing with them, it's completely different than like if I was to call them up now and shoot the shit with them and it's, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's that player coach relationship and a little bit of old school too um, that comes with that, which is, which is great. But um so, so looking back at that year, then Larry's first year, you guys go 15 and 15 and just kind of going through the schedule. It looks like you kind of, you won all the games that you're supposed to win and, and then lost the ones that you weren't. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously taking that experience to build into the 99, 2000 run, um, what'd, you, what'd you learn? What'd you take? And then um, how, how did you kind of start to get that feeling that, you know, we might have a good thing going here for next year? No clue. Like that year we were 15 and 15. Next year, actually, me and Mike talk about this now. Me and Mike Cantrell and some other guy. Me and Mike wasn't supposed to be on the team. They they wanted me and Mike to leave. Like we ran, we ran one day. Larry ran us one day. I uh, want to say that right before we went to Kansas, that Lee Love quit the team, which they wanted him to quit. You know, they needed those scholarship freed up. But Lee Love, he's an idiot. And I hate him to this. No, I don't hate him, but I'm pissed <laughs> off to this day. He made all the running. We ran for two hours because Lee Love fell asleep in film. We ran for two hours. Now, we got to get on a bus and go to Kansas and play like the next day. And he ran us for two hours. Lee Love made all the running. He called me on the phone before we supposed to go get on the bus to drive to Kansas. I'm not going to show up for this. I was so pissed at him. Normally, everybody called me. I was the person who, oh, man, he do this. I said, okay, bye. And I hung up the phone. I got there to the bus. Lee's not coming. You know, now we got six players. Instead of seven. Larry Cantrell was already there practicing with us. He couldn't play. He, he came from Utah State or wherever Larry was, came there. We would practice with him every day. Uh, Travis Spivey was there practicing. Travis Spivey was the, one of these toughest guys I've ever played with or, or against. Him and Devin Washington. You guys probably even remember him. Well, Travis ended up getting in trouble in the summer. Jamal is coming in. And I tell anybody who know Larry and know how things work, Travis is good now, but that was the best thing that happened to Jamal. Because if Travis would have stayed, you guys wouldn't know Jamal as Jamal. He, he wouldn't have got on the court. Larry Stacey is all about tough guys. And when I tell you Travis Spivey would, what they wanted somebody to do is get in you 90 feet, he would irritate you. And what they would let him do to Mike that year was just <laughs> completely, he should have been like in jail for what they let, let him do to him. And Mike let, he was assaulting Mike every day. And it was exhausting. Jamal couldn't handle that. The way Jamal practiced and the way Travis practiced was completely different. Jamal is a wizard with the ball. He is smooth, you know, not very tough when you come to tough like what Larry want to see. If you, you, we got to line up and run through a wall and you can put paper up there, Jamal not making it through the paper. <laughs> you know, he's just not, he's mentally tough from the streets of Brooklyn or wherever he's from, and he know how to play. He just know how to play basketball. He's a gamer. Anything you, that they tell, for the three years, it was all about practice. The toughest guy is going to play. That's not necessarily the case when it came to Jamal. 
So we learned that during the link, if Jamal didn't want to make the links, he didn't make them. <laughs> and and we after we ran thirty of them, I, I my we was always lined up in the same spot. So I was always right beside Jamal. And after we had been running one day for like, I went, Jamal, are you gonna make this? No, son, I'm not gonna make it. So I missed it after Jamal. Now we we only running because Jamal keep missing it. So I missed one, and Larry flips out. I had the audacity to miss one. When Jamal just missed, we run him because of him. You know, so it's just like it's just the the craziest stuff happened. Like like they had a rule if you miss class, that guy would sit in a chair and basically just watch his other teammates run. That worked with everybody except Jamal. Jamal would sit there with a smile on his face. And what, that's not hurting him. You're not hurting him by watching the other because he sounds scared to think about that, you know? That's Jamal. Like, it's so many different. We could talk for another hour. It's so many different stories you guys, like, never heard in your life. Some of them I probably can't even share with you, but um, it was just different. But started to buy in, you know, to the system. I got a rude awakening. First day, so we we have like uh, you can meet in threes with the assistant coaches. Jamal come, and I was the fastest person on the team. I'm the quickest person on the team. I'm the strongest person on the team, you know, by far. Jamal come there. I'm the only one can stay in front of him, the only one. So it's me, Jamal, Cantrell, and Mike Nurse in a group of what we thought was guards and forwards. And I'm guarding. I'm, I, I've gotten so much better in between the year. If you played me, if you saw me play in pickup. And you saw me play on the court, it was two different people. I don't remember ever losing in pickup. I'm shooting three, like, things that I don't do in the, when the game comes. They wanted me. I was going to be the first. If Marcus Fizer was picked first, I was the next pick, you know, because we was going to win, you know. So, Coach Perry telling me, oh, Steven, you're going to be you're gonna be the best, you know, perimeter defender in the league this year. This is going to my senior year. I'm really feeling good. So, <laughs> we get into the locker room, and – Coach Eustacey has the positions of everybody on the chalkboard. He's got Marcus Pfizer, three, four, and five. He got Martin Rancic, three, four, and five. He's got um, Shirley, three, four, and five. And I've only played at three the first three years. He's got Stevie Johnson, four, and five. I'm like, what is going, like, what is happening here, you know? So, there, and now I got to learn how to play the four. It just worked for me because I was so strong and fast that I could, you know, it worked. But I wasn't supposed to play. If Paul Shirley and Martin Ranson don't get hurt, I would have never been in there because he ended up sitting me down. We went to, let's say, Hawaii or, or one of them. I don't remember what tournament it was. Went, what, what, first of all, we lost to Drake, I think. Did we lose yeah. to Drake that year? Yep. So I we lost you. to Drake. We lost to Drake. Then we went home. to Hawaii, it looks like. Yep. Yeah. So we lost to Drake. On the way home, they tell us, you guys got to go in the hill and Larry want to meet with you guys. Kind of wait, and you know, guys, no, I didn't shoot the ball unless they handed it to me. <laughs> so I'm kind of way I ended up with 14 points and had the most rebounds on the team. I don't know what happened. You know, maybe it was Steve. I don't know what happened. Coach came back and just lit into me. He said I was being selfish. Like, I haven't shot a shot the entire season. <laughs> it was like I was being selfish, this and that, and, you know, Blah, blah, blah. He don't know if he's going to play me. I'm definitely not starting anymore. So you take me out of the starting lineup. We get to Hilo. It was Hawaii. Play about 10. I don't start. I play 10 minutes and I scored 18 points. Telling you, like, I don't know how this happened. It's Jamal must have been getting back, just handing it. It had to be rebounds or something. I don't remember how that happened. He came into the locker room then and said, You're not going to play anymore. You know, you're being selfish. And I guess I was, 
like I'm the only person that I think I would say here that they'll shoot the ball. I get the offensive rebound. I wasn't allowed to go up and put it back. You better find Jamal. You better find Cantrell. You better find Mike. You know. So I didn't understand what was going on. Harry ended up having a meeting with me, me and the coaches, and it was the worst day of my life at this point. So the enemy, he went to each coach and asked him to, you know, Steve improve over the summer. Now, these are the same, same Leonard Perry who told me I was going to be, you know, I improved so much in the individual. No, everyone else said no. I didn't know what was going on. Like, what is happening here? And he told me that day that you will never play another minute at Iowa State. So you'll never play another minute. If I were you, I would transfer. Somewhere else, you still got half of the season left. You can find somewhere to play. Because I'm telling you, you're going to be the best cheerleader, obviously. You're never going to get back on the court. <laughs> I go downstairs, I get on the payphone, I call my dad. I remember Lamar Odom was running. I, I don't know why I remember this so vividly. Lamar Odom was running around there because Rhode Island was at that tournament. I'm crying in this payphone, all these guys around me. I'm like, I don't know what to do. They told me I should quit the team. He literally told me to quit the team. My dad said, well, you can't quit. You know, you're not a quitter. He's going to have to play you eventually. We come from that tournament. I didn't play against Alabama or Cincinnati. Not one minute. We get back to Iowa, and I'm a fan favorite because I play harder than anybody, you know. So at the end of the game, they're chanting for me to get in. My roommate is Reggie Hayward. He's screaming at Larry and I'm right there on the front row saying, put Steve in, and it's just making it worse. Like, I can't get in the game. Surely get a stress fracture in his leg, and Martin Rance to get hurt. The guy who they said wasn't going to play another minute, now they need me to play. So it's another meeting that happens that I can be very beneficial to the team. <laughs> if, I, if I do this, and I'm just like, so, so I end up becoming a rebounding defender, whoever the best, you know, and that was, that was it. The rest is big, you know, they had a great big 12 tournament. We was rolling in the, you know, uh, Marcus got in foul trouble in the Michigan State game. Jamal didn't play very well, but we, we should have beat, I, I felt like we was better than that. Even though they had, you know, but yeah, no, I want to talk about that game, but uh, before we get to that, so you mentioned it, so um, lost to Drake and then went to Hawaii and obviously played at the time number one Cincinnati with Kenyon Martin. Um, obviously, didn't get a chance to go out there and uh, to 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 battle with 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 Kenyon, which I'm sure would have been a lot of fun. But uh, then you guys just went on a tear, uh, as you mentioned, uh, kind of ran through, lost at Oklahoma. But one thing that I didn't that was know. It. And at Colorado, what's the deal with that? You guys seem to struggle out in Boulder. What was what was it about Colorado about going out there? My, my brother do a lot of sports bid now. And <laughs> I tell him, I, I don't think I ever won a game in Colorado. I, it, it looked like every time you guys went there, yeah, you struggled for I some reason. I couldn't breathe. I, I couldn't, <laughs> we, should, we needed to go there a day earlier. And okay. literally, in the warm-up, it was over. Those guys would look at us in the warm-up. We was in phenomenal shape. We did links every day. We did 20-minute weeks. There's nobody who's running more than us. And all of us were on our knees. Just we couldn't breathe. We couldn't. Mentally, we couldn't do it. We had to go there another day. I don't know if we was eating. I don't know what the deal was. I never wanted both. Even that freshman year when we was really good, they had Chauncey Bill and one other player, really. Yeah. That was it. And they beat us. Tim Floyd got kicked out of the game. They beat us by 50 points. You know, we never won. The senior year, Jaquez Wall hit a half-court shot to send in the overtime. We knew we was losing. You know, like yeah. it was it. We couldn't win there. Couldn't win yeah. in, in Boulder. It looks like that, yeah, because it looks like they won 102-90 in overtime. So they must yeah. have went on a roll in overtime. Yeah, and just clearly, 102-90, we didn't score. No, no, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, that's good. That, I like that. That's a nice little nugget there. So, oh, um, uh, yeah, so you guys continue to roll, um, obviously going through uh, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, you get the number two seed in the Midwest region. Um, get a state Which, come on, we should have got a better, we should have got number one seed. Yeah, I mean, we was thirty-two. We was thirty-two in what that, that year? What did we finish? You were, yeah, it would, would have been, yeah, twenty-nine and four going into the tournament. So who, who record was better than twenty-nine and four? Yeah, obviously, Michigan State had to have been somewhere around there because they got the one seed in your guys' four. Same. Okay, they should have. <laughs> And, well, who was the, who, what was the other three? I don't know. Anyway, I'm no, thinking I, Go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say, it's <laughs> definitely something to look back at. But the thing about this and that we're going to, that I want to get to is, so obviously you get to stay close to home in the Midwest region, but, you know, Michigan State be, getting the one seed um, in that same bracket. I mean, that ends up being. You know, Auburn Hears. Yeah, I was going to say, that ends up being a home game. I mean, an absolute yeah. home game for them um, at the Palace. Um, in the in the elite eight um, in which you guys matched up and and going back and watching the game a little bit uh, you guys led like I think the entire game uh, got an early lead and then I mean it was back and forth but you led I think all the way up until the two minute mark left in the game mm-hmm. and so obviously had your opportunities chances were there you know, you know, like I said, obviously Jamal, I think had 18 and, and, and played pretty well. Marcus was, I think, was he in foul trouble early in the first mm-hmm. half? He, he didn't mm-hmm. seem, to, seem to play quite as well, but uh, just yeah. talk, talk about that experience. And obviously at that two minute mark, the crowd kind of got real into it and exciting game didn't end the way you wanted, but what do you remember about that experience? I don't remember anything about that game. <laughs> I, I tell you, like, I can't for the laugh of me, pa- me and Paul have conversation. Paul tell me something that happened. I blocked out a lot of the time that I was at Iowa State, and I can't remember that game. I've never watched it. I can't remember that game for the life. I remember certain plays. I remember they had an alley oop to Mo Pete, and and I was in the in the um, pick and roll. I'm like, man, I should have jumped that, you know, <laughs> to get it. That's one of the only things I remember about that game. It, it, it's like a blur. I have, I can't t- and I um, I don't know why. I, I can't remember anything about it. I just know. We, we I, I never felt like we played well. Yeah, they had the same philosophy as us as coaching states. They was gonna out rebound you. They was gonna out tough you. That's Michigan State every year. Where they got talent or whatever, they was gonna play defense. They they do job. We're gonna out rebound everybody, which is gonna give us a chance to win a game. And that's what he's known for, you know. And I felt like we was there. I, I just remember like Coach states. Like, did he get kicked out of that game? He did. That was gonna be my other. I remember question. him yeah. getting kicked out. I remember them maybe calling a horrible file on Paul or something. Yep. Um, I remember Marcus just – it wasn't going that game, you know. He, the A.J. Granger for Michigan State, he just – he kind of took over. He took Marcus in the block early and then – He was hit, tall. And hit he some was, threes late he, and then shot, yeah. shot selection got a little questionable Was it as it got closer. But, yeah, you, I mean, you guys were taking blow for blow. And, like I said, I was going back to just watching the highlights of it, and it seemed like you guys should have been down 20, and you guys were up five, and then you were up yeah. six. And yeah. then, you know, Mopi obviously played really well and hit some big shots mm-hmm. and some big mm-hmm. plays. But, I mean, Mateen Cleaves on that run, he gets a lot of credit that game against Florida playing injured or whatever. But Jamal had him in the bag the whole time, too. And so it was, you know. There's no just, way he could. The way he played defense, one of the worst things you can do with Jamal is be aggressive because he handled the ball so well. He's going to make you look like an idiot. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I, I thought we could win that matchup. Terrell was the toughest, one of the toughest guys I played with, but he's given up what six inches against Mo Pete. Yep. 
I mean, he played against Desmond Mason and played play well against people like that, but Desmond can shoot, you know. Like, it, it's tough. I mean, Mo Pete was a pro. He had a, I don't know how many years career. That was going to be tough. Like, it was just power forward. Their guys are 6'8", six, 6'10", you know. So it, it was just, they would train the same way as we, and it, it was just going to be a tough game. And as you mentioned, Larry obviously getting tossed out at the end kind of kind of felt like a little bit of a, a toss in because the game is, was decided at yeah. that point. But, uh, I, you know, I don't remember a ton. Obviously, it's a super passionate guy, but he I mean, he didn't get himself thrown out or technicals a whole ton. Did he while you were there? If you did the stuff he was Back then, there was a lot more. He should have been thrown out because he would he would lose it. He would lose it. But um, no, I don't think he did. I don't think he got kicked out of time. That's, but they gave him a lot of leeway because I remember some of the stuff he would say, and for them to let him stay in there, you couldn't do it now. Yeah, you know, no, that <laughs> that's great. Well, and I and I mentioned it at the beginning too. We got it. Obviously, uh, the round before in Sweet Sixteen, you guys got to face that UCLA team and just hammered them, um, mm-hmm. eighty to fifty six. So you were able to revenge that freshman loss uh, with those guys, and then obviously ended that year thirty two and five. Uh, one of the most memorable runs, obviously, Iowa State has had and uh, what's been a storied program. But we've kind of talked a little bit all throughout this. I mean, you, you had some dudes on your team, um, some personalities. I mean, Jamal, obviously, in his background and the way in which mm-hmm. that he kind of, you know, didn't know him, but just watching him and his style, like your your stories about him make sense. And then how mm-hmm. did that uh, line up with Hollywood um, Pfizer and, you know, your toughness and then Kentrell? And I mean, how did this all come together? What, what I mean, what's the deal with the personalities? Did you, was it just an experience of a lifetime? Marcus got in the best shape of his life between his sophomore year and that junior year. When he came back, he was a little thinner, and he was ready to go. He was, re- he was ready to go, man. And, and he had some games there when we was on that four-game uh, Texas trip. Where, but he was just – to me, he was the best player in college basketball that year. To me, because he he carried us some nights, like – I mean, he was so gifted. He was so gifted. And Jamal was just something that they wasn't ready for. He was something they wasn't ready for. And Trail and Mike could shoot from anywhere. Well, everybody would go or try to go or, you know, just, it just fit. It, 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 it just fit. Like Jamal and, and, and Marcus never clashed. Even though they're, how their personality was, Jamal wasn't a guy who was going to, you know, chirp too much. Marcus was going to, do it to people he knew, you know, he could do it too. But they never, they, they always had a good, good little vibe. So it never, and Coach Stacy had us so in life and hating the world that we loved each other. Yeah. That was his goal, you know. We would do anything for each other because we felt like it was us against the world, you know. And we was miserable, I'll tell you. Like, we, we go in those, to those reunions and we talk about how guys talk about playing for Fred Harburg and you know, Chrome and Johnny Orr, and they tell me all these stories about what a great time we was. I had the worst time, the four years, the worst four years of my life playing for those guys. I needed so much couch time and therapy after playing for Larry Stacey that, oh my God, they made me a tougher person. But what was I tough for? Like, I should have been going to the military after that because I was so, you know, my mind was trained to be a certain way. Nothing ever was tougher than that. When I got overseas, it was a cakewalk. I appreciate that, but it was, it was a great run. I, I, it, I, I still have never watched that Michigan State, and I still don't know anything happened in that game. Like that was, we had a good shot that year. 
players we had. Yeah, you did. And then that would have been, they ended up playing Wisconsin, I believe, to get then to the championship against Florida. So um, mm-hmm. anything, anything could have gone, but uh, as it was, obviously uh, an incredible career, uh, a fun, a fun way to watch um, and not the ending that we were looking for. But you mentioned one thing with nurse, better question for him, but what was with the 53? I mean, I remember him being one of the first guards wearing a big guy number. Was there, did he have a story or any reason behind why he was running? Mike around? is crazy. Mike is crazy. Like, who knows? <laughs> I, we do a Zoom call like on Fridays now since COVID. Me and Mike and Rich and um, Marcel Howard and uh, some of our buddies who didn't play sports. I'll ask him. You guys need to get Mike on here. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you, we'll change his number and look, because Mike will tell you some stuff, but. Who knows why he had 15? Mike was nuts. You know, he got hit by the truck our junior year. That's right, yes. Which scared us all to death. But Mike is just a different dude. I love him to death. He was my roommate. Um, his son is my godson, and we still keep in touch. But he was he's crazy. Who knows why he picked 53? Just probably to irritate somebody. That's I don't know good. where he got it from. That's he's great. Like, no, that's good. I was just, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I remember him bombing from everywhere and wearing, you know, wearing 53. So. Him and Cantrell could shoot it deep before we had the step curves. And they were just in, like, that's a good shot. Yep. And make a lot of them. Yeah, they did. That, that's for sure. Well, so then you had, so here, walk me through this a little bit. And then got one last segment, we'll get you out of here. But how did the football thing come about? So you had a, a year of eligibility, you had a fifth year and um, said, you know what, let's go try it or what? Afford went well. Paul Rose, when he was there, he always tried to get me to come out. And I hadn't played football since really junior high. It's really fast, strong for you know. And I thought about it. And then fifth year, I played basketball as a team guy. And I, nothing was really going on with that. I'm like, okay, let me give it a shot. And Coach Afford, who's at Ohio State, he asked me to come out, and I did. And I mean, those guys accepted me, and it's just history with that. Like it was a great year. I mean, we had so many good players on that team. And ended up setting school record for wins and then went on yeah. and won a bowl, too. So, I mean, just it, it's crazy to to think about how difficult it is to play at that level. And then for someone, obviously, of your ability to be able to go and play two sports and, and was, be successful at both. I no idea what I was doing. <laughs> like, it was like they were speaking a, a foreign language. I had no idea, like, I was so nervous and scared of screwing up because in football, if I hit with this shoulder, should have hit with that shoulder, everybody's going to take me to know who fault it was. Most of the time I was just thinking, but I was so athletic that I was able to make up for stuff, you know, and to be able to actually get some playing time in the big 12 on a great team. Like I look at it now, it's amazing. But back then it wasn't, you know, I just felt like one of the guys or whatever, but it was, man, it was crazy to think back. I wish I would have played earlier because could have been, I ended up getting a call from the Indianapolis Colts on the second day of, and I didn't think nobody, I was playing basketball with Paul Sherwin. I wasn't even home. I get back and listen to my voicemail. They say, we want to pick you up. And, you know, and by that time it's too late. Like I had no idea nobody was going to call me. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, well, they, well, they call me, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> That's great because, yeah, I mean, you were towards the top of the team in tackles, obviously playing linebacker that year. And so uh, it came pretty natural to you in one quick year. It would have been uh, would have been interesting to see how four years of it would have could have maybe. I wish I could have did that for four years because then I would have I didn't really start to understand it until the end of the season to understand how to use my hands and do different things. Me and Marcel was talking 
a couple of weeks on Zoom. And he said, Stephen, you was really strong. And man, just for you, like I, I didn't start to get it because we had to go one-on-one against them. I didn't really get it until the end of the year on how I can use my hands and just get right around these guys some quicker, you know? Like, I, I, I didn't have a clue. I'm running right into them. Like, you like your little kid. You put your kid out there on the football field. They yeah. run at each other. Like, that's what I'm doing at the beginning. And just giving myself to this 365 guy who's going to toss me to the side. You know, I didn't understand it by winning the hand war and stuff. So, I learned all of it. And it was, it was awesome. It was really – those guys, I, I love them, you know. I had a lot of football friends always at Iowa State. So, it was really cool to be able to do that. No, either way, super impressive. Um, you know that you were able that you were able to actually do that. Um, well, hey, we we like to end our podcast with a little section we call rapid fire. Brian's gonna hit with a couple questions. Um, you let us know what you think off top, and uh, we'll have we'll have some fun here. Okay, I got a couple here. We'll get you out. But uh, first one we always lead with is favorite visiting arena that you've played in. I, I think I know your least favorite out in Colorado, but uh, what uh, was your favorite visiting arena to go play in for whatever reason? It was funny. It, we went to, um, I want to say it was Missouri, mm-hmm. and they have, I think, the antler section. Get there, and you can hear it because they allow those, they allow about 300, of, I don't know how many of those people, to come in while you're warming up before they let anybody in the gym. Those guys knew everything about us. I don't know. This is before the inlet. <laughs> They were saying stuff you would not even believe. They had statistics. They said, such and such many people die every day of bus crashes. Why couldn't it have been you, 15? The, thing, <laughs> the things that they would say, like, I would never forget this. You know, we go to Kansas State, and I got S. Johnson on my um, shirt, and Brad Johnson got B. Johnson. they like, big and small Johnson, you know? Like, <laughs> just the things that these kids come up with. And the funniest thing ever, which is not so funny, but – my freshman year, we go to Nebraska. Kenny Pratt had gotten some uh, trouble about he got drunk or something. They said it was NyQuil. So Kenny's at the game at the, at the free throw line, and it gets really quiet. And this one guy come behind the, the, the basketball, hey, Pratt, with a NyQuil bottle. Hey, buddy, I have a little NyQuil. Do you want to do it? <laughs> that is the funniest thing. It, is so, it was so funny because Sean Bankhead, if anybody knows Sean Bankhead from California, he's the cl- clown. Sean just busts out and start laughing. He's on the court. Vaughn is pissed. You know, Ken is pissed just looking at Sean like, shut up. You know, like, <laughs> like the thing those people were saying, uh, like, I never forget that, but it was classic because you didn't really pay me any attention. But sometimes they would say something like, what? Like, where do you get that from? How do you even know that? You know, like, they did a research, which is awesome, you know? Well, that's good. I love it. That's the best That's the best reason on why we've had on the pod, so I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask you: Were you a fan of the navy in the Iowa State logo? What was the deal with the navy bringing in the third color? I never really paid it much attention. At the problem, I never really paid that any any attention at all. I hated our uniforms. When I, <laughs> I thought those were the ugliest uniforms it, it was. So I was happy with the ones we had our junior and senior year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never even noticed the navy man. Like to be honest with you. Well, and that might be that might be a local thing because, and you know, admittedly not an Iowa State fan growing up, but people of that era, and you might you just might not know any different, obviously, because the Navy was there the whole time. But people, yeah. they, that's a passionate subject for them. So I oh, they pissed off about the Navy. They, well, yeah, they just uh-huh. yeah, they didn't like the Navy when they tried to mix in the third color. In yeah, their, but the, the the cardinal and gold was so uh, like it was wasn't the best. 
the the black has been a nice touch though what the but i love that black i've been trying to get one of those jerseys for years like i oh my god i love that black is cold the black the black is nice but the football what they've done with the football stuff it looks good oh my god but hey i know i know that you're um fairly active you come back like you said for the reunions and obviously i met you through uh working basketball camp but uh when you come back to ames what's your spot to eat you say hey i'm in ames i I gotta go get something to eat so I'll go to Pizza Pit. Okay. And I'm, I'm weird, you know. We gotta go to Pizza. <laughs> I gotta go to Perkins. Okay. Get me this toy off from Perkins. Pizza Pit. My friends know we're gonna go get the Jess Drummonds and a hot ham and cheese sandwich. Um, I gotta go to Bebop's and get a burger. My yep. friends always laugh laugh at me because they said you're gonna go here, here, here. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Like, these are the places. Don't, I don't want you to say, oh, we're inviting you over for dinner for what? I'm not gonna eat very much of it. I'm going to Bebop's after. I got three days here. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> those are my spots Marcus it's funny Marcus when he went to, with the Bulls uh, I was doing a camp to go to a Korean basketball league so I stayed with him at his house him and his wife kids friends they left one night I came home from the camp they said we're going to Pizza Pit from Chicago they just like I want my wife to chase Pizza Pit they drove to Ames from <laughs> Chicago to go to Pizza Pit that's gotta be good then and it's, I don't know if it's that good, but we just in college, it was yep. the big, we probably only had 10 bucks, and that was the best thing ever, you know. It's, it's great to me. You that's, guys get up there, go to Peace Pit, get some wings. Awesome. That's great. No, that's perfect. Um, you got a favorite basketball movie? Would ask me that now. I'm drawing a blank. Um, got a pretty good list, so tell, throw give me, it give, give, Yeah, throw me some. So Coach Carter has been popular on the podcast. I always lean, I'm always, I'm always promoting blue chips. Um, uh, the one with Shaq and Penny in it. I like that um, one. Hoosiers, obviously. Um, I like gets, Hoosiers. Gets a lot. Uh, our last guest, I think, said he got game. Threw that one out. Um, oh, okay. I was a big above the rim. I liked above the rim with yeah, uh, yeah, Tupac like, uh, in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, there's it, it's endless. I mean, there's there's quite a few. Do you have one that uh, that really says, you know what, that's, I'm going to watch that movie tonight? I like all of those, but I, I can't think of one. My favorite, probably my girl gets so pissed off at me because me and my dad watch this. My favorite like sports movie is Private Secretariat. Okay. I yeah. love Secretariat, and I'm crying every time. Secretariat, <laughs> like, if if you want to fight me, you tell me there was a better horse than Secretariat. At that, <laughs> you know. Oh, my God, that is my movie. Like, that's my sports movie. Like, I like that. Like, that's the one the football movie. Oh yeah, um, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. I love I love that one. Yeah, uh, but basketball I like all those. He got game. I like blue chips, Hoosier, uh, but I can't pick a favorite. I have to go. I'm gonna go with Secretariat. I like it. I like this. I like Secretariat. That's good. That's oh, more interesting. Like that's more interesting than picking the yeah. basketball movie. So I like it. Basketball shoes. You have uh, a favorite shoe that you played in. Obviously, uh, your time at Iowa State, but then you went and played overseas um, for several years. And so we do you have switched. A- we switched from Nike to Adidas when Coach Stacy got there, yeah. and we will wear those shell toes Adidas. I end up loving those. Yeah. And I had to have those my first couple of years, but I blew through one of them. Yeah. Um, like my feet literally came out the side of them. Yeah. And it was so crazy because I'm playing. I don't understand what's going on. And I, I, I literally think I've torn my Achilles. I can't figure out why my, I can't do this with my feet, you know. And I'm sitting there and my guy, one of my good buddies who played for another team, pointing at my feet. I'm completely out of the shoe. Like, so I wore 15. 
next guy probably wore 13. They made a guy who wore like a 12 or 13 who wasn't going to play. They made me take his shoes, and I had to play in like a size 12 or 13 for the rest of that game, and I wore 15. But it probably be the shell to Adidas, I guess. That's good. that's great. So you like had the Zion shoe blowout before? Yes. You even knew yes. what Zion was right. Yeah, and I didn't even. I was so scared to look down at my feet to know what was going on. I just thought my career was over because I couldn't feel my leg. Like it was so weird. Like, and I finally looked down. I'm like, oh, can't play these. <laughs> Well, perfect. All right. So you've mentioned it. Uh, one we like to end on here uh, throughout the time and your time in Ames and, and time as a cyclone. But uh, what was your what's your favorite part about being a cyclone, um, continuing to be a, a cyclone, being able to go back, uh, support the guys, um, your guys that you played with. But uh, what's, what's the best thing about getting the chance to come to Ames and be a cyclone? The people was the best thing. I, I think Iowa State, we have the best fans. There, there he is. I think when the fans in Hill Coliseum, I don't think there's a tougher place to play. I remember in Texas, Marcus dunk on memes, and you'll see, you go back and watch that video, Mike is doing this, you couldn't hear anything. And the floor shakes. The floor literally shakes. I think Iowa State fans are the best fans in the world. Like, I honestly, and I'm, I'm biased, of course, but you put, you, you, you get a, a really good Iowa State team, you put them in that place, when we're playing defense or whatever it is, and you you beat us there, then you 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 did something, you know. That to me that was the best. The way that people treated me there, um, I I still go back and I I, I love that. I still have a few friends that I go and visit them, sit down and reminisce, and we sit there and we talk about sports and stuff all night. And it's just I love it. I mean, the people there was genuine to me, you know, and I I appreciate it because when I thought I was the worst player, you know, I was told I was the worst player on the team. And I was told, you know, I'm just the, the guy who do the dirty work. The appreciation that they gave me, I, 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 I will carry that for the rest of my life. That's exactly what I was going to say. I go, you fit the mold, you know, the, for the Iowa fan. The, the hard Iowa working, guy. The hardworking, <laughs> the just trying to I'm do, a farmer. do I'm the a little things. Yeah, work <laughs> ethic, caring, I mean, all that. So you absolutely fit the mold. And obviously, like I said, I've got a chance to see you um, back on campus and, and kids who would have never even seen a minute of yours still look up to you and want to be around you. And, and mm -hmm. that says something about you and your personality and the career and everything that you put together. And um, so obviously Iowa State fans share that with you. And, you know, from us here too, we appreciate you taking some time today, Stevie, and, and talking with us and reminiscing a little bit for us. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, text me later and I'll give you my number. You should, Perfect. you want to help him. You guys Absolutely. love to have his crazy butt over here. You got to, get, Adam, you got to be ready to beep him out. Cause you don't know what uh, gonna Okay. Do. <laughs> hey, we, hey, we got some edit, edit features on this thing. So, All right, perfect, so we're good there. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, but as, yeah, as Brian says, Stevie, man, we, we seriously appreciate your time. With players like you and talking to you, it is so fun just to reminisce and, like, remember where I was at during that Michigan State game when I was watching that. Like, that mm -hmm. is so fun to me, um, and I know mm -hmm. Brian, too. So thank you. Um, and obviously to our listeners, you know, we appreciate you and, uh, you know, love that you listen to us every week. And if you enjoy what you hear, wherever you catch your podcast, give us a five-star rating. Uh, you can find us on any social network on Facebook Search the Shooters Touch, Twitter and Instagram at Shooters Touch IA, and our new website at Shooters Touch Podcast.com. And as usual, 